from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. There's no path. We walk between the trees, clearing away fallen branches until we get to a spot marked by a wooden stake, an American flag, and some red, white, and blue fabric flowers that Alma previously placed there. The stones are sliding down the hill. So not only did we dig them out of the ground, we have to now get the geospatial map so that we can put them where they're supposed to be. We had a crew that came out in May and were, were able to cut two feet of grass, although all day long you just heard, you know, headstones being hit by the lawnmowers all day long. This is horrible. This is shameful that this exists like this. When I see this in the 21st century, I just saw what sad state that we're in. You can come in and, and just do it all. That sounds amazing, but if you teach five youth to do it, that's even more amazing. I'm Sarah Fenske. In North St. Louis County, right near the southeast tip of St. Louis Lambert International Airport and steps from I-70, is a century-old black cemetery. At one point, it was the largest African-American cemetery in the entire St. Louis region. More than 42,000 people are buried across an area that's about the size of 32 football fields. After decades of desecration, flooding, and overgrowth, volunteers are now working to bring this hallowed place back from the brink. In just a moment, I'll talk with historian and community advocate Asia Corrigan about her hopes for the cemetery moving forward. But first, St. Louis on the Air producer Emily Woodbury visited Berkeley last week to get a sense of where things stand for Washington Park Cemetery today. It's a sunny, windy day as Asia Corrigan, founder of the Saving Washington Park Initiative, meets with a local historian and several descendants of people buried here. This is one of the good sections. This section is section five. One of the descendants here today is Dolores Lang. She lives in North County and along with her mother is here to visit her father's grave. My dad was, he was well liked. He was, he was well liked in, in the city of Kinlock. Um, he was a hard worker. He was a good dad. He's a good dad. Benny Aaron Morrow Jr. died 40 years ago, around the time the cemetery fell into disrepair. The former owner mismanaged it. Records went missing. Occupied plots were resold. And Lang's father's headstone was never placed. In the 1990s, things got even worse, Corrigan says. The community started complaining about missing uh, headstones. Vandalism. Vandalism. Uh, evidently, someone was walking around. There was a skull tires. fragments. There bones, were tires in here. Um, bones, but this was even before, I think. Then, in 2006, Kevin Bailey, whose grandfather is interred at the cemetery, purchased the land for $2. The vandalism and desecration was curbed, but the cemetery's condition was still poor. Many people say Bailey had good intentions, but the task of restoring the cemetery was just too difficult. St. Louis County put the cemetery into a trust because taxes went unpaid. Now, volunteers show up sporadically to do landscape maintenance, but it's not consistent, and sometimes they inadvertently damage headstones. Because of all this, Lang and her mom stopped visiting, and they lost track of where Morrow Jr. was buried. 
That's until Spire employees cleaned up a portion of the cemetery and used GPS equipment to track the locations of those who were buried without headstones. Today, Lang and her mom are seeing Morrow Jr.'s grave for the first time in 20 years. They place a bouquet of flowers where he lies between two other headstones. It just means so much just to know that we can come here and know where he is and, and that he continue to rest in peace. Normandy resident Alma Norman plans to visit her father's grave today as well. She couldn't find it for years because it's tucked away on a hill overtaken by trees and shrubs. The former owner never followed through on placing her dad's headstone in 1981. And I never could forget her saying, I gave her $250, and she said, just write down what you want on this headstone. And I was young, you know, so I said his name, his birthday, and the day he died. Never got it. I don't think I never got it. You know, I never seen it. As we head to other sections of the cemetery, it's apparent just how much work there is to do. Gravestones are toppled over, and others are cracked and chipped from improper landscape maintenance. Countless markers have sunk beneath the surface. I just probably should remind you, that's a section. (laughs) It looks like the woods, but it's a section. Oh yeah, everywhere. Everywhere that's a section. This place was full to the brim of burials and headstones. So just because you don't see headstones, there's, there's hundreds of headstones in there. The land has shifted and morphed since people were buried here. Corrigan says geospatial technology can be used to redraw the plots. The stones are sliding down the hill. Mm-hmm. So not only did we dig them out of the ground, we have to now get the geospatial map so that we can put them where they're supposed to be. Because we don't want someone's headstone over there, but they're buried over there. And so that's what's happening there. So that's why we really have to get that... Next, we get to a section of the cemetery that's in a particularly dire state of disrepair. It's downhill from Interstate 70. Planes take off overhead. Billboards owned by DDI Media used to tower above this area. The billboards were removed in 2020 after years of protests from descendants who yearned for a more sacred place to visit. And because this land is partly owned by DDI, St. Louis County, and the Missouri Department of Transportation, Corgan says there's confusion over who's responsible for upkeep. It's even more complicated because there's a natural underground spring, which means standing water is constantly present. Um, So this underground spring here has caused so many problems over the years. There's been reports, descendants have said that it floods and the caskets were floating. A drainage pipe meant to divert the water was never finished due to Metrolink and Lambert expansions in the mid-90s. So MoDOT's going to point the finger, DDI's going to point the finger at MoDOT. Uh, MoDOT's going to point the finger at DDI. Or they might point the finger at St. Louis County if they own that ditch strip. Whoever owns that strip is part of the problem. The, The highway is probably stopping the spring, and then it's DDI's land. So, somebody's got to fix it. <laughs> Corrigan points to the middle of the pond where two wooden stakes poke out of knee-deep water. There's a mother who lost her son in the 80s to leukemia, and he's in there, and she wants to place a headstone now, but she can't even get to him. Um, we get, see, there's a stone you can see in the cattails, and there's those two sticks right there. I think that's where the, the lady's eight-year-old son is. In a few weeks, the stakes will no longer be visible. The area will be taken over by cattails 10 feet tall. Alma Norman says her father's grave is just up a hill from the ditch, 
she finds it with help from a series of photos she took on her phone to serve as identifying markers. I remember standing and looking like this and looking like that so I could be able to locate him. It's quite a hike up the hill, especially for Norman, a 74-year-old lung cancer survivor. There's no path. We walk between the trees, clearing away fallen branches until we get to a spot marked by a wooden stake, an American flag, and some red, white, and blue fabric flowers that Alma previously placed there. I cut this stuff and just threw it anywhere. There's my dad's grave. The red, white, and blue flowers. This is his stake, N.M. That's Nathaniel Martin. See... Indians have their burial ground as sacred. This is sacred. I know it couldn't be help, it happened. But the thing of it is, is to get it undone. What I'm afraid of is his casket may have moved. For historian Robert Green, seeing the state of things on this side of the Berkeley, Missouri Cemetery is almost too much to bear. And my ancestors are buried in Mississippi in a little bitty graveyard on the side of a cotton field, on the side of the road, because that's all they would allow for, for my ancestors to be buried, because cotton was more valuable than the human being. So when I see this in the 21st century, it's just so what sad state that we're in. We can barely live alive, but we can't even die. That's right, in peace. In peace. That's right. And so this is... This is horrible. This is shameful that this exists like this. Shameful. You know, this is shameful. So it's uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what to say, but you know everybody that's got any kind of compassion, any kind of compassion, should be out here doing something. Asia Corrigan sees the disrepair. She knows it's an overwhelming task to take care of this sacred place, but she remains optimistic. She will keep unearthing gravestones and resetting them, one at a time. I wish I could, I could probably lift that one. That one's about my size, or about the size I can lift. The other ones, that one, I could probably do it on a good day. I'm tired today. But usually I have a big, big helper, my son or something. They're, they are a lot heavier than they look. They yeah. look heavy. They are. But, you know, I'm a mom, so I've got mom muscles. And like, I don't know where the streak comes from. You can't see them, but they're in there. Muscles. Corrigan hopes that with the help of educators, historians, and community members, one day, Washington Park Cemetery will be a place where the people of St. Louis's past can be honored and their stories told and studied by future generations. And that was Emily Woodbury at Washington Park Cemetery. And joining us now live in studio is Asia Corrigan. She's the owner of Our St. Louis History, LLC, and founder of the St. Louis Preservation Crew and the Saving Washington Park Initiative. Asia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you've been a really active volunteer for the past two years. What got you involved with Washington Park Cemetery? Well, uh, it's, it's kind of a long road, to this, uh, I realized this when Emily asked me the other day. I um, grew up in Hillsdale. Greenwood Cemetery um, was pretty much my yard because our home was set back, in a, and it was not a home that we probably should have been living in. Um, 
nearly into Greenwood. So mm-hmm. I grew up in Greenwood. Um, when I would go to visit my father, we would meet every Saturday across from Washington Park. And I would just stare at the cemetery, not knowing anything about it. I'd just stare as they're talking about, you know, Re- Ronald Reagan and whoever, <laughs> uh, Dukakis and all those people. Um, and I didn't, didn't know until um, I was doing some research as a historian. I like to tell the stories of St. Louis history and our cultural history that has um, can, that we can all learn from. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in telling one of those stories about Lieutenant Sergeant Ira Cooper, who's our first black police sergeant, I went to visit him at Washington Park. And I saw the condition. It was the first time I'd ever been inside it. I had just been, you know, for years and decades staring at it, um, not even realizing how big it was. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. 42 acres. And and when you first saw the condition it was in, did, did your jaw drop a bit? Yes. So that's when I, I'm standing there at uh, Sergeant U- Cooper's graveside, I I just happened to kind of turn around, and I saw something sticking out of the the brush, and it was a headstone. I said, is that another headstone over there? And I kept walking, and that's when I realized it was an entire section, or actually it was an entire second half of the cemetery at that point. It was just overgrown. Yes. Um, pretty much half of the cemetery now is overgrown into thick brush that makes the, the graves inaccessible to descendants. And that's even though there's some prominent people buried here, people who have important stories. Of course, every story is important here, but who are some of the notables that are interred here? Um, well, our first uh, African-American police sergeant, mm-hmm. Ira Cooper, our first black alderman, uh, Mr. Caston, our um, first Sumner principals, our first Vashon principals, our St. Louis Urban League and NAACP founders, wow. our Harris-Stowe professors, our dentists, our scientists, our healers, our educators, pretty much anyone. I, I feel that um, all of St. Louis ancestry is either at Greenwood, or, or not all, but half of our ancestry is in Washington Park, Greenwood, and Father Dixon. Okay, so a lot of a lot of uh, souls here. Um, what do you see as the big challenges in terms of the upkeep of this this vast acreage? So the the biggest challenge is um, the ownership stability and maintenance um, and long term. When I say stability, long term stability and maintenance. Um, when until there is a um, stable foundation for the cemetery, it, it kind of halts progress. Um, and then it'll also just kind of leave things in the future up in the air. So I feel that we should think forward and not just fix it right now, but fix it for the next, you know, forward thinking for the next few years, or not few years, few generations. So as you talked about there in, in the audio that we heard, um, there's multiple owners, different parts of the site, a lot of finger pointing. And the fact that you're not an owner of this, that there's not a nonprofit group that's the owner of it, you can't even get liability insurance for the days you're trying to do cleanup, just not even having a single source that you could go to 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 help expedite some of that stuff. How big a frustration is that? Well, there is a nonprofit that does own it, um, but he needs assistance, just like um, I I feel that Mr. Bailey has has tried – very hard to do what needs to be done, but without the community support and leadership, 
it, it's just a one-year thing, mm-hmm. and we have to think forward. Um, but the, I, we don't necessarily do any more cleanups just because the, they could damage the well-intentioned volunteers can mm-hmm. damage headstones with their home lawnmowers and things like that. So so the, the cleanup liability is not really a problem right now, but just moving forward. Um, That's a problem. <laughs> and you mentioned Kevin Bailey. So he's the guy who purchased the cemetery for $2 in 2006, had really good intentions there. But other entities own parts of this. That includes St. Louis County. It includes DDI Media. The land is in a trust in St. Louis County due to unpaid taxes. What would you like to see happen with the cemetery's ownership? Well, I I feel that this should be a partnership with the city of St. Louis or the county um, to work with Mr. Bailey or a descendant group that can assume management. And that way they can apply for the grants that are coming down um, all over the country. Uh, African-American burial grounds are being protected. Um, we There are just a few grants, though, available. So when all of these cemeteries that are in disrepair are applying for grants that are very competitive, it just it made uh, the Historic Trust realize a need, mm-hmm. actually, for more funding. So more funding is coming, finally. But until there's stable ownership, we can't even accept funds. There has to be a trust set up. Um, that's completely transparent and, you know, governed by a board, a, a trusted board. So until that trust is set up, we can't even accept funds, you know. So the stable ownership is the, is the main key. That's huge. Yes. And, and until then, um, the, you mentioned the DDI sections. Um, we, they still own that section. So there's still, there's kind of two two battles that we're fighting with the ownership situation, um, they can still do what they need to do. They don't have to really worry about the other half of the cemetery. Um, They they still own that, so they're still responsible. We're talking today to Asia Corrigan. She's a historian and a community advocate. She is pushing for attention to Washington Park Cemetery. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Asia. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Welcome back. We are talking about Washington Park Cemetery with Asia Corrigan. She's the owner of Our St. Louis History, LLC. She's the founder of the Saving Washington Park Initiative that is trying to make some big changes there in this North St. Louis County Cemetery. Now, Asia, our producer spoke with Brian Macklin, who's a descendant of someone buried there. He brought up how difficult it's been to get other descendants involved in these efforts. He said that the historical trauma that these families have faced has led them to avoid 
avoid talking about death and to avoid talking about this cemetery. He called it a cultural disconnection with death. And he noted that if you look at the dates on the gravestones at Washington Park, so many of these people died young and in tragic ways. Do you see that reluctance from some of the descendants who who otherwise might be interested in in getting involved with this? Well, um, maybe Mr. Macklin was mentioning the... um, the break in the families, mm-hmm. uh, and and because of some of our lineages are so disconnected, some youth don't even know who their great grandmother or maybe grandmother on one side of the family could be. So that that may explain a lot of the absence. Mm-hmm. Um, in my view, I don't think that descendants should have to come and clean up a cemetery. They should just come and be able to enjoy the place and and spend that time with their loved one. I I, I mean, that's something so many of us take for granted. We don't even think twice about the fact that if our grandfather is interred somewhere, that that's a well-maintained space. Yes. Yes. So so the the key to that is, is a youth crew. And we feel that if you, if we teach the youth how to care for the cemetery going forward, not only will they use these transferable skills there at the cemetery, for, for years on end and f- till the future, but they'll also be able to use those skills to transform their neighborhoods as well. Um, so, so what's this idea with the youth crew? Uh, what would you like to see happen here? So already um, that the youth have been learning um, so much at the site. Not only can we reconnect some of these lineages, which I feel is very important to solving a lot of the community trauma in St. Louis. Um, if you knew who your cousin was, would, would you you know, pull the trigger or, or would you shoot or, you know, have a, a conflict with mm-hmm. someone if you knew that was your cousin, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it could be, yes, they still would, but we, we have to try. Um, but not only that, that when they're, this is an educational grounds and our, these ancestors are wanting us to reach back, as Sankova says, and learn from them. And they're trying to teach us geospatial technology. <laughs> Yes, the geospatial is huge. Um, that's that's going to help us do the ground survey and reconnect those lineages and, and the data and the records and lead people to their ancestors immediately. But there's roads that need paved. There are trees that are that need cutting. That the grass, of course, needs mowing. And this is a specialty landscaping job. This is not just a football field. You, you can't just come in yeah, and tear yeah, through yeah. it. You yeah. have to know what you're doing. You have to you know use special equipment. It's a, it's a skill. Um, so these are all skills that our youth can not only master, but that they can also use to take care of Washington Park going forward. And so this would be a, a brigade of young people. They'd be trained in how to do this properly, and, and, and they would take the, and get paid. That's yes. huge. Yes. So what would it take to, to pull this off? The stable ownership. Yeah. Um, it all we, comes back yes, to that. it all comes back to that. Once we get that ownership situation, um, we'll have a trust set up for the philanthropist and the grant funding and all of that to pay the crew. So stable ownership, this seems like the key to everything that follows. For those of us on the outside looking in, what can we do to help push in that direction with all these different parties and all these different complications? Well, I think just to come and support, contact either Mr. Bailey or the St. Louis Preservation Crew to, to let us know how you can help us move forward. And this is not a, a one and done. We, what Washington Park needs is the same loyalty that these people have shown. Not I shouldn't say these people, that the 
those resting at Washington Park have done some amazing things to bring St. Louis forward, and we need to return that loyalty. Um, so our corporations, our organizations need to be committed to this um, long-term. Uh, it's not just a, you know, come on a Saturday and do a team thing, although that is helpful also. Um, you can see Spire has done some amazing things in just two days. Mm. They were doing an incredible amount of work. Um, but, you know, going forward, that that's not their business. So um, we just need other organizations that are willing to put in that, that same kind of work. So that's the Saving Washington Park Initiative. We have a link on our website. That's uh, stlonair.show. We also get that up on our Twitter, at stlonair, if people want to get involved in helping in this effort. You know, you mentioned Spire, and we learned that they were doing work with this uh, GPS technology. There's so much talk these days about St. Louis being a geospatial hub. What kind of potential do you see here for partnerships with education? educational programs and, and all that work happening here. Well, we're already partnering with uh, Esri, who's taken the lead, and we've been working with Andy Deering and Dan um, of Esri. And so th- they've steered us in the right direction, connected us with the people, including Siler Instruments, who has loaned us the geospatial equipment. We've been working with UMSL and SLU and WashU um, to start in SIUE to start geotagging and Spire, geotagging the sections. But this is a technology that I would like to introduce to the high schools in the area of, of the, the descendants of this community um, that might not get the exposure to this. Um, this it's beautiful. It, it sounds uh, complicated, but it's super easy technology. Um, it's really just geotagging, and it's it's beautiful work and a beautiful day. It's just light work. Um, but you're learning so much. And so you're not just looking for these organizations to come do the work. You see this as something where they can come do the work and train this next generation yes, at the same time. Definitely, definitely. If you have a tree service company and you think that you can come in and, and, and just do it all, that sounds amazing. But if you teach five youth to do it, that's even more amazing. Mm-hmm. If you, you see that there's a road that needs to be paved and you want to donate a free road, Bring five youth over there with you when you're laying it, just to show them how to, how it's done. Um, so it, it's not just coming in and doing it for us. Mm-hmm. I, that's not our vision. I think that's a short-term fix. Um, and uh, one community coming in for a, a one Saturday feel-good, you know, community team-building event is not what's best for the Washington Park um, mm-hmm. because that stuff will just grow back next right. year. <laughs> You've seen that happen. <laughs> We've seen that happen, and we don't want to re-traumatize our, our volunteers, you know, or traumatize them as well um, because people's time is precious, and we don't want to waste their time clearing something that's just going to grow back because there's no management to keep it cleared. And you've been talking a lot about these youth. At, at this point, the youth are there? They're ready to serve, or are you also working on, on finding them? Yes, we are reaching out. Um, we're, Mr. Green was able to connect us with uh, some youth, and so that we've, we're having some conversations with them. The, the schools are willing also to come. Um, so we're, we're still looking for those youth also. We're always going to be looking for those youth, um, especially in the future when it's more stable and we'll have those employment opportunities. Again, when you take care of this ownership issue, then, okay. Well, again, that's the Saving Washington Park 
Network Initiative, if people feel led to get involved in any number of these ways. We've been talking about long-term solutions, and it's clear that, you know, that's got to be the big focus here. But there's also the short term. Uh, the grass is going to start growing very soon. Yes. Uh, what will you be focused on in the weeks ahead as we're finally getting into spring here in mm-hmm. St. Louis? So when I, when I first started with uh, Sergeant Ira Cooper, um, I didn't realize that most of the sections were actually sections because the grass had grown to about two feet, mm-hmm. and a lot of the headstones are about two feet tall, so they're completely camouflaged in the in the um, the grass. So, in about a f- two or three weeks, we're going to be there again. That was April May. We mm-hmm. had a crew that came out in May and were, were, were able to cut two feet of grass. Although <laughs> all day long, you just heard you know headstones being hit by mm-hmm. the lawnmowers all day long. But at that point, when it's two feet high. There's nothing else you can do. So we just can't let it get that high. So what we're trying to do is make sure that the grass doesn't get high. Um, And and whatever way we need to do that at at this point, um, we have to work with Mr. Bailey to to see if volunteers can come in. You know, he'll have to work out all that um, liability-wise. But at this point, we just need the, the grass to not grow to a crazy amount. And also there are volunteers who are cutting down trees, but in doing that, they're laying them directly on top of graves nearby. So that's that's not exactly, there's a plan to all of this. There's yeah. a preservation plan that you must follow. And there's a timeline, a budget. And so all that, the chipper has to be timed in and budgeted in. Otherwise, now you're just sitting there with, with cut down limbs all over the cemetery. And what the volunteers then do is set them on fire on top of the burials, on top of the headstones. And um, finally, I think we got them to stop doing that. So now they're kind of just figuring, trying to figure out how to get all the, the trees out that they've cut down. Okay. Wow, this is such a complicated issue. It, it feels like for every solution, there ends up being yes. some complication. But but you're working hard, and it's great to hear there's so many people who are trying to help. I want to encourage people, don't just show up, don't just start clipping the grass. Check out the Washington Park Initiative, Washington Park Cemetery. So much going on here. Asia Corrigan, thank you so much for sharing about this uh, this issue. Oh, thank you, Sarah, for trying to, to get to the bottom of all of this. It is, I know it is a lot. It is a lot, but you guys are doing good work. And boy, I have hope that you're going to be back with an update for us and that things are going to start moving in that right direction. Thank you. So uh, Asia Corrigan is a historian and a community advocate. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.